Living as a Last Day Christian, part four. You guys ready? I think this is the final message on the series that we've been doing, Living as a Last Day Christian. I hope you feel more prepared. I hope you feel more peace. I hope that you feel blessed during this series. Maybe we've saved the best for last. I'm not quite sure. But let's start in the book of Matthew, actually chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 14, and then we'll, we'll really just dissect what, what Jesus is saying here to us today. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. But you hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will, will come. There's something curious about how Jesus answers questions, isn't it? So many would ask Jesus questions, and he would answer them in parables. He would answer them almost in riddles. He would give an answer much beyond what the question truly was. And and even his disciples at times would be curious about the parable that was given. And later on, around the campfire in private, Jesus, what did that mean? What did you mean when you said when you said that? And even now, with this answer to this question, we are still, what's the word I want to use? We are still wanting more. We want more answers. We want more details. We want a better answer. So many people, I think, when they would ask Jesus a question, in the Bible, and still today, have you ever asked Jesus a question, and he gave you an answer, but you wanted more details? And that was true for the people in the first century with Jesus. It's true when we read the Bible still today, and it's true even when we ask Jesus a, a question from our heart. And this is how Jesus would answer questions. He would not answer according to what people wanted to hear, but Jesus would answer according to what people needed to hear. Jesus gave us an answer 
based upon what we needed to hear. The answer to the disciples then is still what we need to hear today. And what do I mean by what they wanted to hear and what we want to hear? This answer from Jesus is not satisfying enough for me. We want to know who is the Antichrist. Give us a name. Ah. We want we want to know just give us the year of your return. I don't need the day Jesus, but the year, come on. That's what I want to hear. Anybody with me? So, so we read this and we don't get what we want, but we get what we need. Why doesn't Jesus tell us when he's coming back? Because your human psyche would respond differently if you knew when Jesus was coming back. Jesus told us to go into all the world and make disciples. But if we were told that he's coming back in 2024, you would relax and chill and not work. You would start to retire. So he doesn't give us a day, he doesn't give us a year, because he knows humanity would not accomplish the mission given if they truly did know the year or the day or something like that. He's not going to give us the answer we want because if he gave us the answer we want, we would not accomplish what Jesus has called us to do. We wouldn't. You know it's true and I know it's true. Why doesn't Jesus just give us the name of the Antichrist? Because there's some crazy people out there. And as soon as they heard about a baby being born with a name like that, they'd kill it. Is that what Jesus wants? Jesus just wants going around killing people with the name of the Antichrist? No. Absolutely not. You see, there's reasons Jesus didn't give us the answer we want to hear. And there's reasons that you don't know when and you don't know who and you don't know how and you don't know really know really what's going on. It's because it would have a negative effect on all of us. But the thing here is that we are searching for these things when we shouldn't be. And we're wasting our time looking for something that Jesus doesn't want us looking for. And as we waste our time and energy looking for something that Jesus doesn't want us looking for, we will miss what he said in this 14 verses. Because within these 14 verses, Jesus gives us four things we must be doing before he returns. But see, we read the text according to what we want to hear, and as we do that, we miss what we need to hear. It's just human nature. But thankfully today, we can take some time together and find out what Jesus needed us to hear and then accomplish those things instead of worrying about all the little details he never actually told us about. I I think I'm preaching today. (laughs) Jesus does give us four things, essential things, 
in this text. And then he gives us one more thing in the book of Luke, and we'll look at that at the end. But here's the thing, the first thing Jesus tells us to do. As the time draws near, as the end comes closer, you can find the first one in verse 4. Verse 4 of this text. He says, Jesus told them, watch out that no one deceives you. Don't let anyone mislead you. Make sure no one deceives you. That's the first thing that Jesus is trying to tell us. Make sure no one deceives you. When it comes to the end times, though, we will get focused on the wrong things. When I was a young teenager, I was interested in mountain biking. And so I, I, I got a mountain bike, and I remember going out to the trail for the very first time, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I had an older friend who was a pretty good mountain biker, and I invited him along with me. He teach me how to do mountain biking, teach me how to do this thing, you know, take me on the trail, take me on a ride. And, and he gave me one piece of advice that helped me tremendously still today as I go out riding my bike. He said this. He said, when you're riding on the trail, there will be obstacles constantly as you go. Don't focus on the obstacle, but focus on the path that you should be taking. Notice the obstacle, he said, to avoid it. But don't stare at the obstacle or else you'll go towards it. Has anybody ever been driving their car? And you're staring straight down the road, and then all of a sudden you look left, and you don't even realize it, but you start churning left, and all of a sudden you hit the rumble strips. You will go where you're focused toward. When I was riding my bike down the trail, I so badly wanted to stare at the cliff on the left-hand side or the right-hand side of the trail. I wanted to I wanted to stare at the cliff. When I was riding my bike, I wanted to stare at the huge root in the path as I was riding. I wanted to stare at it, but no, I need to go around it. I need to focus on around the root. And see what happens here is Jesus is saying, "Don't focus on the wrong things. Don't let anyone deceive you." We so desperately want to get focused on what's happening out there. But Jesus is trying to get us focused on what's happening in here. And there's a difference. There's the difference. There can be chaos all around you, but stillness in your heart. This is what Jesus is trying to tell us. There's going to be chaos all around you. But I want stillness in your heart. People will be getting deceived all around you, but I want you to keep the faith. But we can get so focused on the chaos, and we can get so focused on our neighbor being deceived that our heart can get bad. Can your heart get bad? Judgmental? Angry, frustrated, fixated, aggressive, aggravated, 
That's the, that's the fruit of looking out there. But Jesus is saying, that will be going on. Don't let anyone deceive you. Focus within your heart. Pay attention to your own heart. People will be scared, but you'll have peace. If you make sure to watch yourself more than you watch what's happening all around you, you will have peace. This is what you should be really thinking about in the last days. Am I holy? Am I consecrated? Am I faithful? Am I praying? Am I fasting? Am I going to church? Am I teaching my children about Jesus? Am I a witness at the workplace? Am I doing these things, the right things? See, because Jesus is telling us, make sure no one deceives you. See, but we hear all the details, and we want to look for them. But Jesus is saying, that'll bring deception. Don't let anyone deceive you. Number two, he gives us another point in verse six. And the point is this, make sure you're not troubled. Make sure you're not troubled. Matthew 24, verse six, you will hear of wars, huh? And threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Don't panic. Make sure you're not troubled. Don't don't get agitated. Don't get worked up. Don't lose your head. Don't freak out. War? Where? If that's what you're thinking, you've missed the point Jesus was trying to make. Jesus is telling us, make sure you're not troubled. There's, oh, chaos. Oh, where's all this at? No, 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 no. No, stop looking for all that. Wait, how am I doing? I think this, this, was shine, this shined bright during the COVID lockdowns. Whew. There came a point all of us had to stop and say, I'm not doing well. Why? I have been staring at everything all around me. I've lost the attention to my heart and my walk with the Lord. I've stopped praying. I've started gossiping. I've stopped fasting. I started complaining. I started fretting. I started telling everybody how everything is wrong and everyone's doing the wrong thing. And I'm very worked up. I'm very troubled. And all, and all of a sudden, you would feel the, the, the pin point in the finger of the Holy Spirit and saying to you, this is not what I've called you to do. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. These events that Jesus is talking about, these people that Jesus is talking about, they're going to wear you out. But don't freak out. 
They're gonna, the Bible actually says that, that, that Christians, one of the things that takes Christians out is just being worn down and worn out and constantly worn down and worn out. They're getting, tr- they're just worn down by the rampant sin. They're worn down by all the craziness. They get worn down by all the laws and the rules that are gonna come down on Christians and they're gonna wanna get troubled. Don't get worn out. Don't let these events tear you out, down and wear you out. Don't freak out. Don't lash out. Don't lose your temper. Don't do it. This is what Jesus is telling you to do. Make sure you're not troubled. I can only think of the greatest practice for this is just being a parent. War all around you. And you just, like, you're just a stone. Chaos all around you. And you're just sitting there with this smile on your face. Once you hit there, you've hit the parent zone of perfection. You just get to the point where it's just you and Jesus, and, but the, the war is all around you, and you just say, I am peace. I am peace. <laughs> Ever had a child fall sitting down? <laughs> we can't, listen, there's nothing you can do at that point, parents. There's no more lessons to be taught. There's nothing you can do. You're, the kid will decide for themselves. Free will has started. They want to fall at that point. You just let them fall. Push them. You see them? You know they're, they're going to fall anywhere. Just give them a, go on to get it over with. And then sit down and smile. Peace. I've, I've learned. I, I, I've been trained. I'm a soldier. Nothing affects me anymore. You want to sneeze in my cereal? Go ahead. I don't care anymore. Nothing affects me. And some of you have already been. You've been there for years. We can see it all over you. 32, gray, it's gone. You're You're done. You're done. But, but this is what it's about. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't be troubled. Wars? The, the, the Antichrist? We, we, get all, we hear all that, and what, but we miss what Jesus said, which was, don't be troubled. Number three. Another essential that Jesus is trying to hammer home to us is endure. Endure. Verses 12 through 13. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Sin rampant everywhere. There's two kinds of sins. This is accidental sin. Then there's purposeful sin. And the kind of sin Jesus is talking about here is purposeful sin. Everywhere. All, it, it, people know better. People know that they're break, people know they're breaking the law. People know that they shouldn't do it. They're gonna they're gonna do it anyway. And it's gonna be everywhere. Jesus is saying that here in the end times, people are going to break the law on purpose. 
this kind of behavior is all around us today. It's everywhere. Jesus is saying that your opportunity to sin will be everywhere and it will be easy. Jesus is warning us. Jesus is trying to say, hey, listen, pay attention here. Pay attention here. Jesus is saying certain things will begin to become legalized, but I don't want you to to touch it. Church people, Jesus is saying even church people will begin to participate. And purposeful sin causes the love of many to wax cold. To slowly grow cold. Uh, I got a candle I like to light. I like the apple f- candles. It smells like fall. It smells like fresh apples in my house. I like the candle, but when I blow the candle out, that wax is hot right away. If you touch that wax, oh, I like actually touching the wax, right? And it sticks to your finger. Yeah, it's like you're six years old all over again. And, uh, but, but you touch the wax, it's cold. But what happens uh, 30 minutes later? You go, to, it's a little softer. It's a little soft, it's a little harder, you know, it gets harder, and it's just wax is cold. That's what it's going to be like, Jesus says. It's not like all of a sudden one day the, 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 you're going to wake up and just, whoa, what happened to the world around us? No, it's, it's just going to, it's going to be this, this cold waxing. It's just going to slowly come over the world, and we see it now. Purposefully dabbling in sin. It causes your love to wax cold for God. Purposefully dabbling in sin, it causes your love to wax cold for one another. Jesus is saying here, don't participate in this lifestyle. You can either choose to participate in sin or you can choose to endure to the end. You know what enduring means? Simply just means not quitting. Enduring means things won't be enjoyable. But you decide to stick with it anyway. I was thinking about endurance. I was thinking about how every, pretty much every human being I've ever looked up to and wanted to aspire to be had, had experienced tremendous endurance. Wow, you ran a marathon? Wow, that's crazy. Whoa, you climbed Mount Everest? The, the, the physical endurance to do these things. Whoa, you know, you became a, a bodybuilder? Whoa, the, you, you endured tremendous discipline, hours in the gym, pain of working out, uh, dieting, endurance, all these things. I would even say to you today that a person who refuses to experience any kind of endurance is not a person you want to get close to. I mean, go ahead. Eat whatever you want, whenever you want. See what happens. Or you can have some discipline and some endurance and say, Maybe not, even though I want it. I will endure. Maybe I'll go to the gym and exercise. I will endure. I will endure. I will endure. You show me somebody who was willing to endure something for years and years, I would say to you, I look up to that person. 
I look up to the pastor who's been pastoring for 40 years. I look up to the guy who's been pastoring for 30 years. I look up to the youth pastor who's been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. I, why? Why? Whoa, whoa. What have you endured? What have you encountered and you didn't quit? Tell me your stories. I, I want to learn from you, but show me somebody who just quits on a whim when it gets hard. Or show me somebody who just doesn't like any pain in their life whatsoever. I will show you somebody whose life is falling apart. Go ahead, think about it. Think about who you respect and who you love and who you admire and who you want to be like when you grow up one day. It's people who have learned to endure for the long haul. And Jesus is telling us here, listen, my, my people, my children, you need to endure to the end. You need to be disciplined till the end. You need to say no to sin until the end. When I was the intern director here at church, uh, I created a camping experience in the middle of winter. I called the trip ESOL, and it was an acronym. And I, I gave you an acronym last week that you all remember and I'm going to give you this other, I created another acronym. I called this trip ESOL, and it was an acronym for the Emotionally Stretching Experience of a Lifetime. And the thing about it was, is I had to go on the trip too. <laughs> so I created a, an emotionally stretching experience of a lifetime for myself too. And I took the interns on a ice climbing camping trip eight hours north to Canada in February. And it was emotionally stretching experience of a lifetime. I did the trip. I think I did the trip five or six winters in a row. Every, and each winter was a little different. I remember the one winter I finally took my wife on. It was extremely cold up there. We woke up one morning and it was minus six degrees without wind chill. There was ice on her eyelashes. I had never seen anything like it. You could literally see each individual eyelash had an icicle on it. It was so freezing cold, and we slept outside in tents in the snow, and we climbed ice walls during the day, and we hiked, and we ate food that you don't really want to eat, and uh, we, it, was, it was difficult. It was, it was hard. There was one trip we went on in particular. It was so cold that the ice and our, our Nalgene's kept fr- accidentally freezing, and we were getting concerned that we would have no water to drink. Why would I do that? Why would I create an experience like this for our interns? Because they need to learn a life lived without enduring will be a life of misery from your choices of constant pleasure. Some of them loved the trip, but most of them hated it. Some would cry. We would be 500 yards into the very first hike within an hour of just being there, and they would sit down in the snow and cry. I want to go home. I don't want to carry this backpack. I don't want to walk in these snowshoes. I don't want to hike any further. No turning back. And we would finish the trip, and you cannot imagine the joy of sitting back in the van Turning heat on for the very first time in four days. 
smiles. Tears turned to, to joy and laughter and smiles. We would go to a restaurant. We would order pizzas and ribs and hamburgers and spaghetti, whatever you're, you were craving out there that you couldn't get. Order whatever you want. Let's go. Let's feast. I want a Coca-Cola hot. I want a hot Coke. <laughs> hot Coke. You know, give me a hot Kool-Aid. And uh, you just, you start eat, you start feasting. And then you start talking about how you you overcame. You endured to the end. You, you wanted to quit. You didn't think you could do it. I didn't think I could do it. And the ones who endured to the end, and I made them endure to the end, sure, did they hate it while they were there? Yes, but when they came home, they bragged about what they did to their friends and family. Number four, Jesus is telling us to we must preach. Verse 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. We must preach. Use everything in your power to preach. Your Facebook page, your Instagram, your X, Twitter, (laughs) Um, the internet, Use your feet. Send a letter. (laughs) Use the TV, the radio. Use your voice any way you can. Use any method you can, but never change the message. Those who refuse to use all the methods are missing a portion of an essential part that Jesus wants us to do. Hmm. Use any method, every method, we must preach. Hmm. Last part here, essential number five, is actually found in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 28. I want to read that verse, and then I'll tell you the fifth essential for us today. This is Jesus speaking. He says, And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. The fifth essential and the last thing, stand and look up. And this is interesting because what Jesus is describing here is a situation where everybody is running away and hiding. But Jesus asks us, his children, to stand and look up. The crowds are going to be running with their heads down. Ah! We're going to be standing and looking up. That's the opposite. It won't make sense. It won't make sense to the world around us. It won't make sense to some of your family members. It won't make sense to, to, to some of your friends, friends and your coworkers. But what we do, Jesus says, is all these things will be happening 
Everybody's going to be running. Everybody's going to be hiding. Everybody's going to be bunkering down. Everybody's going to be building their their bunkers. Everybody's going to be hiding in their basements. Everybody's going to be concerned and worried. And we're going to be on the rooftop looking up. I know he's coming. Every every ray of sunlight that comes through the clouds in a unique way. Jesus, <laughs> right? Are you there with me? You ever, you ever do that? <laughs> oh, what? Oh, that cloud looks like an angel. You know? Oh, that. Oh, is that an is that an angel coming? Is that Jesus? Oh, that cloud looks like a horse. Oh, is that Jesus coming on his horse? What's happening? Everybody's going to be hiding, and we're going to be on the rooftop, standing and looking up. That that doesn't make sense. We're like, we're like a hero. We're like a, a first responder. When the fire's going on in the house, the, the firefighter runs inside. When there's, when there's a bad guy inside, the, the policeman runs inside. That's what Jesus is describing his children as. Everybody's going to be scared. Everybody's going to be running and hiding. And you're going to stand and you're going to look up. Amen, church? Those who stand, they're the brave ones. Courageous. Their hearts, your heart's already been resolute. Your heart's already been set. You already determined that even though all these things are happening, I am not deceived. I am not scared. I am not freaking out. I am enduring to the end. Go ahead. Run over there. Do some sin. I'm staying over here, and I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to look up. Amen, church? Amen. Those who stand are the confident ones. Standing represents courage. Standing represents confidence. We're looking up because we know that's where Jesus is coming from. So let's stand right now and worship. (laughs) Let's practice. Let's practice. Let's look up. I'm ready, Jesus. Don't get focused on everything happening out there. There's a lot happening out there. It's not your responsibility. Jesus didn't ask us to fix it. What did he tell us to do? Watch your heart. Don't be deceived. Don't freak out. Don't go crazy. Don't lose your head. Don't don't be weird. Don't get weird on me. Stand still. Worship. Just say thank you, Jesus, that you told us what we needed to hear. He knows what we need to hear, church. These are words of peace. This is a love letter to his children today. Let's worship. Can we do that, church? All right, come on. Thank you, Jesus.